welcome to the Bucket List Gamers podcast. My name is Jay and I'm joined as always by Eddie. Hello. And this week we are looking very, very briefly at 1990s Speedball 2 Brutal Deluxe for various platforms, although I remember it on a Mega Drive, I think, mostly. We're not spending long on this because we want to talk about two other more important things that we actually care about. So we're going to speed through this one. But before we do, I'd just like to point out that we are now on upgraded recording software, which means we can do fun things like this. Which we probably never will again, but enjoy that. That's uh, that's costing us 15 quid a month, that, uh, compared to what we were paying. But anyway, Speedball 2 Brutal Deluxe, have you got anything to say about this? Any memories of it? And... I mean, it's a cyberpunk futuristic football simulator, sort of isometric, and I know it was on the Game Boy, which I've got to say was probably awful. I think every single game we've reviewed so far that we've said doesn't look great it has had a port to the Game Boy and we've gone, that's probably not going to have played well. <laughs> and this is no exception. No, I can't imagine that being being good on a Game Boy. I mean, it wasn't amazing on a Mega Drive from what I remember. But yeah, on a Game Boy, wow. It's not The screen's not big enough, surely, to accommodate the <laughs> level of game this needs because... It's quite fast-paced from what I remember, and you you move around the pitch quite a lot. So to have all that crammed into a tiny little two-colour screen, how did you know who was who for a start? Like, who was on what team? Well, yeah. Different shades of green, I assume. (laughs) (laughs) So, no, Game Game Boy 1. It says various, so I don't even know which version we're meant to be looking at, but I would go with Mega Drive being the the optimal one probably i have very vague memories of playing it two player against friends and it being all right it was one of those when you'd played fifa and you got fed up of that oh shall we have a game of this instead and i don't ever recall finishing a full game it was more you put it on and battered the crap out of each other not really paying attention to the score and then turned it off and went and played something else yeah, it was a bit... It rewarded aggressive tactics, didn't it? It was mm. it, it, sort of like handball, ice hockey, and a bit of a isometric brawler all combined. Yeah, I, there's there's not much to say on it, but we, we have got something to talk about in, in terms of they did do a remake of it, which we found out about a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, when we used to play it, I mean... It did, as you said, it boiled down into brawling about for a bit. I don't think anyone... There's probably Speedball... I mean, it's, it's not the best name, is it? Isn't Speedball like a, a cocktail of drugs that you can take? So why they've named it <laughs> yeah. after that? Uh, there's probably fanatics out there that are like, oh, it's such a nuanced game and you can get really loads of it. And maybe you can, but we never did. And I can't imagine I ever would now. But yeah, they did make a like a remaster of it a few years ago, I think, or, or maybe even more recently that. I only know this because I was talking to somebody in a game shop and mentioned it and they started telling me. And apparently, I've not had a chance to research this, they did DLC for it, but it was like loot boxes, essentially. So you could spin a spin a wheel and you'd get like a different head or a different body or a different set of armour or a different ball. But the thing that sort of makes it unique compared to other games that do that, so like FIFA does it to an extent with Ultimate Team, you can get different strips for your team to play in. The difference in Speedball is you have to get a strip for each member of your team. So if you, <laughs> if you unbox one set of armour, only one player in your team can wear that new set of armour that you've found. <laughs> and they're all cosmetic. They're not they don't improve gameplay because then I could understand it because you could power up one member of your team and, and it wouldn't make sense to do it on. But no, they're purely cosmetic. But if you want your whole team to wear that armor, not only do you have to find it X amount of times, I think it's five on five or whatever, you've got to then find the same one five times if you want them to actually <laughs> look like a team and not just something cobbled together, which is absolutely unbelievable that they could go to those lengths on, on DLC like that. It's ridiculous. I mean, we've, I've, well, I, more than you, have criticised the likes of Mortal Kombat and uh, Netherrealm for uh, milking things from, like, a, getting, like, a pink cummerbund for, for someone, for a character <laughs> that you never used, but having to literally... But once you've got it, that applies to that character. Whereas having to get a full strip 
for every single member and the same strip, not just like you say, just a hodgepodge of oh that'll do. It's it's roughly the same colour. Jesus. It's just mad. And that's probably why that game didn't do too well and no one's really heard of it. So yeah, I, I, let's let's get this done and dusted because there's I mean, Retro Gamer managed to get six pages out of this game. And I'm I've not read through it all yet, but I don't really know how. A lot of it is talking about other games, I think. It's like other futuristic sci-fi game, uh, sports games. So I'd be prepared to drop it in. Around. I mean, the the brief times we did play it, I enjoyed it for the few minutes we played it, knocking the hell out of each other and not really trying to win the game or lose the game. So I'd be prepared to give it sort of low 60s, I think, because you can have fun with it. It's just it didn't hold our attention like, say, a FIFA or even like a Sensible Soccer did. They had much more that seemed to be going on for them that you could... With Sensible Soccer, it always felt like you were getting better the more you played it, even though it was still ridiculously hard, whereas this just feels like you played it for 20 minutes and went, ah, I've had enough now. I might play it again in another week or something when some other friends come around. So, yeah, low 60s for me. I don't know about you. Well... I think in order to avoid sort of the number of the beast connotations, so the retro gamers did it in six pages. We've done it in about six minutes. We're giving it a <laughs> sixty, so we might as well give it a sixty-six. So yeah, go on, <laughs> so so Six. all the sixes, <laughs> sixty-six. And now we can move on to what this episode is actually about, which you'll have probably seen from the title card because it won't be. Speedball 2 Deluxe themed, I can guarantee you that. We're going to be talking about the age-old battle of Mario versus Sonic. So this week, you may have seen we put on Instagram and Facebook, or last week as you're listening to this. If you've tuned into this episode hoping to hear about Silent Hill that we promised on last episode, sorry. We probably should have covered this at the start of the episode. Uh, we've pushed that and we're going to release that on Halloween. So that's provided I can get it edited. That's coming out on the 31st to tie in with the spooky Halloween night. So you can sit on Halloween night and listen to that if you feel so inclined. And that's why we've crowbarred this one in early. So, yeah, last week we put a picture out showing the new Sonic game and the new Mario game next to each other. And I think it's probably the first time ever that they've brought a game out the same week for both franchises because Mario predates Sonic all the like the first three Marios, the first four Marios, I think, predate Sonic. And then Sonic took over for a bit, and then they started going backwards and forwards, didn't they? But they always seem to release at different periods. Whereas this last week, we got a Sonic game on the Tuesday and a Mario game on the Friday. So I know I said I wasn't going to do it, but I paid 60 quid for Sonic, and I paid (laughs) 60 quid for Mario. I finished Sonic in three days. And that wasn't three heavy days of action. And I've started on Wonder and I've got a couple of areas in. So I've, I'm have i relatively well versed on speaking on them both. So yeah, I don't know if you've seen anything or played anything or watched any videos or... I mean, three days to complete Sonic. I mean, is there replayability value to it? Can you, can you go back and unlock more stuff or is it a one and done? Ish, I would say. So... I'll go into how it plays. So you you can the story mode starts up and you can pick from Sonic, Tails, Knuckles or Amy. I think you can also have Sonic and Tails together as the classic on-screen duo if you want to. You can also play it in four player. You can actually have all four players on screen at once. As chaotic as that might sound, you can do that if you want. I haven't tried it, but I assume it plays much in the same way as Sonic 2 where Player one is the lead character, and if anyone else dies, they just respawn back in wherever wherever he is. I can't imagine it's going to split the screen up into four, but I don't know for certain because I haven't tried it. So you pick one of your characters. So I pick Knuckles because I always pick Knuckles. And then the game starts, and you start playing through it as normal. Most areas have got two acts. A couple of them have only got one, but they're incredibly long. And then most most areas have got a sub-boss at the end of Act 1 and then a Robotnik boss at the end of Act 2. So you play through it and there are bits you can see elements are designed for each individual character. So there'll be areas where Knuckles is much better to have than Amy, for example. There'll be bits where Amy's better to have because she can smash through things with a hammer and all that kind of thing. So it does play to that. And it is really, to be honest, it's really good. It's a really good game. It's a weird art choice, I think, because it's everything's 3D, but it's a 2D game. 
personally, I would have preferred the old style, like Sonic Mania of art. But it does bring some stuff, and they've they've gone really hard on the backgrounds. In like you can see stuff happening in the distance. So if I'm playing as Knuckles, I can see Sonic and Tails running along in the background and beating things up in various parts of the stage and that kind of thing. And one of the first bosses is a big like fish that chases you and snaps up all the landscape. And you can see that swimming in the background through the level and then it starts chasing you when you get to the end. So they've done a really good job with utilising that depth and, and the 3D to it. It isn't the shortest game. The levels are much longer than they used to be. You're not going to sort of whiz through the levels in two minutes like you used to in the old Sonic games. I mean, one level, you, you get ten minutes and then it's time up. And I finished it with nine minutes and 58 seconds on the clock when I hit the last blow on the boss. So I honestly thought I was going to have to restart. But yeah, it's fun. It's good. The bosses are quite clever. There's a a good range of how to defeat them. It's not always the same thing over and over. There's a weird sub-story going on. So um, there might be a few spoilers in this. I'll try not to be too spoiler-heavy, but there isn't much of a storyline to spoil, to be honest. It's very hard to figure out what's going on in terms of storyline because it's it's not voiced. It's not. There's no dialogue. It's just actions. So the the sub bosses are usually Knack the Weasel or Fang, depending on which game he's coming from. And he's got this little robot thing with him, and they're trying to. I assume they're trying to find the Chaos Emeralds. It never makes it explicitly clear that's what they're doing. But basically, he just keeps mistreating this robot, and then you keep going and helping the robot every so often. And that's how it keeps panning out over the levels. And then, yeah, the end of the second stage is usually Robotnik in some sort of contraption, like the old old school ones. And yeah, that's how it all plays out, and it is really good. It was, it, yeah, it took me, as I say, three days to finish it, but I really enjoyed it while I did. There is post-game, so it's to do with the little robot thing, and I won't spoil it, but there's like a second quest once you finish the first one, which basically goes back through the same levels, but they've been modified a bit, I think, for this this new character. So there is that. There's also multiplayer, which is like a, a party game thing. So I've only played it once, and it puts you into three party games. I don't know if there's more than three, but the three that I got, the first one, there's six of you all competing against each other, and the first one is to collect as many stars as you can in a set time. So stars keep spawning throughout the level and you just run around and collect them. The second one, you've got a light gun and you can shoot each other. And the more of these crates you get, the more powerful your shot is. And whoever's got the biggest kill count at the end wins. Uh, and then the other one I got was there's like a cannon in the background firing balls. And you've got to stay alive by not being on the platforms that they smash through. So it's it's small stuff, but... It could be quite fun. It's not going to rival Mario Party or anything, but they're not terrible mini games. And this is where the replayability comes in. So the little robot that you play the mini games as, you can customize that robot, and you collect Sonic medals throughout the game, and you use them to buy parts. And some of them are stupidly expensive. I mean, in my whole playthrough, I think I racked up about forty medals, and one of the accessories is two hundred medals on its own, and that's just for an accessory. Mm-hmm. So that's where your replay comes in. And there are ways to get more medals quicker. Negatives, it's got the same old Sonic negatives to it in that there's really cheap enemy placement in a lot of places. So you'll jump across a blind pit and there'll just be an enemy there that you bump into and it knocks you into the pit. Or you'll hit a spin, you'll you'll run around a loop but you're not in a spin dash and there'll be an enemy on the other side of it to knock you back. And it happens in every Sonic game. It's sort of a Sonic thing now, isn't it, to have poor enemy placement that just feels really cheap there's that but then the thing that's more annoying and they do this in some sonic games not so much in others the whole point of the game is to go fast everyone knows sonic games you go fast no matter what character you are that's the point but there are bits where it is incredibly detrimental to go fast you will die if you go fast in certain points there's a whole level that is designed around things trying to crush you so, you know, in the old games, every so often you'll get an obstacle that crushes you into the ceiling and it's instant death. You don't even get the rings spraying out and a chance to actually recover from it. It is just dead. There's a whole level of that. So everything is just trying to crush you and you have to time all your jumps to get through these crush hazards and stuff, which isn't fun. There's no lives in it. So you die, you just go back to the last checkpoint. You, you don't have lives, which I suppose isn't the worst thing in the world because you can just keep doing it and doing it. But... 
it seems a bit weird. Like, you expect 100 rings, I'm going to get a life, and that just isn't a thing now. But I think they did that with... Was that the same in Mania? I think Mania didn't have lives either. I could be wrong. Didn't that just have, like, a time limit rather than lives? I think that might be the way that they're going with it. So there's that. The other thing that I don't really like about it, although it's not the most negative thing in the world, getting the Chaos Emeralds is really easy this time because they give you powers. So every Chaos Emerald gives you a new power. So the blue one allows you to clone yourself and loads of your clones will just come in and wipe out enemies on the screen for a set period of time. One of them allows you to slow down time so you can go across disappearing blocks without them disappearing. One of them allows you to shoot yourself up in the air. One grows a vine that you can climb up. There's all these different powers, and then when you've got all of them, your last power is supersonic or super, whoever you are. And if you get 50 rings, you can trigger that, and and it makes you faster and invulnerable unless you fall in a pit and all that business. So, yeah, they're a lot easier to get because they're sort of tied to the game now rather than just being extras that you collect. I don't think there's ever a point where you have to have them but they make life a lot easier in certain parts of the levels. So, yeah, they're, they're really easy to get. I didn't struggle at all. There's loads of points, apart from one level where I had to go back. There's loads of points where you can get into the bonus stage and collect the emeralds. And to get them, it's a new mini game, So you're essentially falling through open space and the emeralds whizzing away from you in a random pattern. And there's loads of... It starts off just blue dots and you can sort of hookshot onto them and whip forward like Spider-Man. And then... The more you do, the more some of them are mines. So if you hook onto one of them, you blow up instead of going forward. Some of them are like warp points that whiz you forward. Some are just rings. And the more rings you collect, the longer time limit you get. And you have to catch up close enough to the the emerald to lasso it and pull yourself onto it. They're not bad. I prefer them to the red and blue balls thing any day of the week because (laughs) I absolutely hate that one. So yeah, they're they're not bad, but they are easier. But the the other thing is, there's loads of little things where you go out of the level and it does a loading screen and then you come back in. So there's that to go into the Chaos Emerald stages, which is acceptable. There's, if you've got more than 50 rings and you go past a checkpoint, the little warp thing opens up above it and that takes you into, you know, the Sonic 1 special stages where it rotates around you. Oh yeah. You go into them and there's Sonic coins to collect and you do three different ones if you get that far but if you hit the exit then you warp out and carry on so there's those but then there's randomly these like rifts will appear in the sky and if you jump into them you either fall or go up from the Sorry, bottom of the screen something's not right she's Wait at a it few again minutes and try setting up again you can also try unplugging this device and plugging it back in. Uh, don't worry, I will be unplugging that device. So yeah, you can either go up or down or left to right or right to left and there's just some rings and you sort of float in and you go up and down and collect the rings. But it lasts for about three seconds. The loading time is longer than the actual bit of the game. <laughs> so there's loads of little bits where it breaks the level up and you shoot off into these little extra bits and it it breaks it up too much for me. It's a bit jarring towards the end. That's probably why I didn't get as many Sonic tokens as most people will, because towards the end, I just started ignoring them. I'm like, no, I want to I want to go through the level. I don't want to do this. So there was that. The other issue I have with it, and this is probably because it's on a Switch, the load times are horrific. I mean, you turn the game on, and there's a good 40 seconds of a black screen before the logo comes up. I honestly thought I got a dodgy version of it. And then the Sega logo comes up and it starts working. But levels take absolutely ages to load in. And the worst bit of that is they do that thing where they transition between acts so it doesn't go to a title screen and come back. Knuckles just stands there like an idiot while it's loading the next part of the level. And this can go on for like a minute and he's just stood there and you can't control him. And then it goes act two and then you can move on. One time it crashed when it did that, completely kicked me out and I had to reload the whole game. So I think this is probably Switch-specific because the processor's not as strong as an Xbox or a PlayStation. But yeah, the other thing is as well, I didn't notice it many places, but in the last boss, massive amounts of slowdown when he's doing anything because he takes up most of the screen. If he starts firing missiles or something, the slowdown... I died multiple times because I couldn't predict where... Knuckles is going to end up because it's slowed down that much. The last boss is an absolute p- as well. I mean, I'm all <laughs> I'm all for difficult last bosses. This thing is unbelievable. It's got two phases and you have to beat them both on nine rings. 
If you die, you get nine rings to start off again. And then you have to beat both phases. And they're not difficult phases, but they are... You can you can easily get hit because of how much shit it throws at you on the screen at once. And there's also like instant deaths in it because there's a bit where he knocks platforms away and you have to run away from the platforms as they collapse. And if you get hit by something while you're doing that, it just chucks you into a pit and you die and you have to start again. So it's quite unforgiving. It took me about 20 or 30 goes just because I just kept getting constantly unlucky with the RNG because one of the weapons, when you're running away from those falling platforms, it's just random sparks of electricity that fly in. And if they just happen to fly in in a certain pattern, you can't get past them without getting hit. So it's a bit cruel, the last boss, but it was satisfying enough when I beat it. I used quite a lot of the emerald powers to get rid of it. I also think, this is a mild spoiler, there's a bit in the game where you fight Fang, or Knack, or whatever you want to call him, and he's stolen all the Chaos Emeralds off you. And there's a bit where you go and fight him. And when you beat him, he goes into the huge robot version of himself. And then this little seek, this little robot that you've been helping out all the time absorbs all the Chaos Emeralds and just destroys him before anything can even happen. Now, I think if you've probably not got them all, you might have another boss fight there, but because you've collected yeah. all the emeralds, it just it obliterates that boss before you even have to fight it. So I'm I'm tempted to play back through without all the emeralds and just to get to that bit and see what happens and see if that is the case. Uh, but yeah, there's a bit of replayability in it, but for sixty quid, no, I wouldn't say so. If I'd paid thirty for it, I wouldn't have been too upset. I think there's thirty quid's worth of game there. Sixty is just. It's too much for what it is. And, and I looked today on, on Smith's Toys because they sent me an email about some of the games, which I'm sure we'll come to. And it's it's more expensive than Mario Wonder. Wonder is 40 and Sonic is 50. And proprietary Nintendo games are never cheap, are they? So that is baffling no. that that's the case. So yeah, it's, it's good. I like it. I think it's one of the best Sonic games there's been for a long time, probably since Mania. But it could have been a bit longer... It could have had a few things tweaked about it, but I am going to go back and play it as the different characters. What it does do as well, which is quite nice, is that in certain stages it forces you to play as the other characters. They have like their own stage to progress the story. So in one area you have to play a level as Amy and, and for some reason hit all this fruit with a hammer. I don't understand why. But then one, you have to be Knuckles and the, the whole level is designed specifically for that character. So I think it's actually Tails' level where all the crush hazards are. And because he can fly, he can navigate them a bit easier. But Knuckles' level is full of walls that you have to punch through and bits that you specifically have to climb up, otherwise you wouldn't be able to do it. So they've designed these very specific levels. I didn't get one for Sonic, so I don't know if he just doesn't have one. And they're expecting you to play the rest of it as Sonic and then just do these. But yeah, that was a nice touch. And I don't know if they're going to do DLC for it. I mean, it would work. You could just tack more levels onto it. The story is fairly self-enclosed. But yeah, I don't know as well. Again, potential spoilers here, although not massively. I don't know if there's a good end and a bad end, because the last level is really clever. You play through the whole level, and all over the last level there's clocks with times counting up the longer that you're in the level. And I, I, thought, I wondered why they were there, but I didn't really pay any heed to it. So you get to the end and you fight Robotnik. And he has some sort of time machine, manipulation machine. And he sets time in reverse. And then the second act, you have to go back through the level that you've just done in reverse. So everything, all the platforms that fell that you were on top of, you jump on and they go back up. All the platforms that come up from the floor disappear. So you have to get across them quicker. And these clocks are counting back your time. So the faster you do Act 1, the less time you've got to do Act 2. And then at the end, you get whatever time is left to beat this final boss in two stages. And I did it with a few seconds left. So I don't know if I got the good ending, but if you run out of time, you beat the boss and then maybe you get a bad ending. I don't know whether they've gone that in-depth with the time, but it, the time thing seems pretty integral to that last level. So I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't part of the... The narrative, if you run out of time, you get a different ending. But again, that's something I might try and figure out. But overall, I would give it... I won't do it out of 100, but I would say out of 10, I'd give it a solid 8. It's a proper old-school Sonic game. 
there's a lot of fun to be had. I imagine in multiplayer it's even more fun, and so I might have to try that at some point and see how that pans out. But yeah, there is post-game content as as well. I don't know how long it is because I haven't finished that, but I say I got three days out of it, but yeah, I think I'll play it quite a lot. And, and to be honest, the original Sonic games weren't particularly long, were they? But you just played them over and over yeah. again. So yeah, I think I think we'll get get something out of that. So yeah, that's Sonic. Just take a little break and then we'll move on to Mario. We'll be back after this. Oh sick, I just got that new game everyone has been talking about. I'm going to play it all night. A few moments later. Sound familiar? Then you need Meeple Coffee. Designed for gamers, Meeple Coffee comes in five different varieties to complement any playstyle. Plus, if you use our link found in the description, your purchase will help support the channel. Don't delay, grab some Meeple Coffee today. Hello and welcome back. Sorry about that small uh, interlude. I've just gone and unplugged the Google Dot or whatever it is from the window ledge so that we don't get any more interruptions. Yeah, so let's move on to Mario Wonder. Have you seen any videos or anything or is it still all a bit of a surprise to you? It's a bit of a surprise. I mean, they are marketing it out out the butt on the TV and what have you. It is everywhere at the minute. And I mean, it does look fun. The little power-ups and how they change the level and change how you play the level is, is quite interesting. I mean, it looks like a Looks like a throwback to the old 2D side-scrolling Mario formula, but with a nice twist of Nintendo innovation, like usual, really. Yeah, I'd say it's closest to Super Mario World when you're playing it. That's the vibe that I get from it. It's a little bit Super Mario 3 with the overworld map, but I would put it much more towards Mario World in just how it feels to play it. There's some weird things about it, which I'll come to, but yeah, the the basic premise is, storyline-wise, Bowser has stolen this wonder power from a, a flower and fused himself with a castle, so he's now a big sentient castle that flies around it's weird it's very weird but it's that sets the precedent for the rest of the game because the rest of the game is equally as weird so this castle's whizzing around and it turns everything that it goes past a little bit evil and you have to go through and and free things up from buildings wrapped in piranha plants the little houses turn into jail cells and when you finish a level it turns it back into a house and all that kind of thing you get this little weird caterpillar that's the prince of the area that you're in. He joins you and sits on your head for most of the game, but he's not actually visible. He only pops up to speak and then disappears, but he can wear badges on his head and each badge gives you a certain ability. So it'll be like an extra wall jump or one of the badges allows you to swim faster underwater like a dolphin. When you press, instead of spin jump, you get this power one of them, your cap goes big and you can float back down to earth rather than just drop in and all stuff like that. But you can only have one equipped per level. So a lot of the time it's going into a level and if you don't beat it first time thinking, oh, what badge will make this level easier? Some of them just give you a mushroom to start the level. One of them adds mystery blocks in all over the place. So there might be a hard to reach area, but when you have this badge on, it'll put extra blocks in so you can climb up to it and, and all that kind of thing. So that's a quite a nice new innovation in terms of who you can be so you can play the game as mario luigi peach daisy three different colors of toad and they all they all play normally they collect power-ups they turn into the elephant or fire or etc or you can choose to play as one of three different colors of yoshi or nabbit that thing with the weird mask. Now, they play differently. They don't take damage, so you can't die when you're one of those, I presume, unless you fall into a pit. But they also can't use power-ups. So Yoshi is always Yoshi. He won't turn into an elephant or be able to shoot fireballs or bubbles or anything like that. So I think they're like an easy mode, almost. You can't take damage, but you also don't have to worry about the power-up effects. So that's the basics of it. And yeah, the, the first few levels, it pushes the elephant power up incredibly hard. It's the first thing you get. As soon as you go in the first level, you get the elephant power up. It's not bad. It's nothing... I don't think it's anything new. I mean, you flick enemies with your trunk, which is essentially the same as the cape, the cape spin. 
you can slam down on the floor, but that's just the same as a ground pound. It yep. doesn't really do anything else. You can hit blocks with your trunk to smash through walls and stuff, which is a bit of a new ability, I suppose. Uh, and also, if you go on a pipe that's shooting water, you can fill your trunk with water, and then you can spray it on flowers, and they'll grow and spit out coins or or bonus stuff like that. So there's a few mechanics to the elephant. It's not a bad power-up, but it doesn't do anything massively new, I wouldn't say. But in terms of the game itself, there are some bizarre things in it. It is When you get one of the Wonder Flowers, it's like being in a fever dream or on drugs or something. Everything in the level changes and it just goes absolutely bizarre. And it's a different gimmick for every level you find one. So the first level I did it, all the pipes started moving up and down. And then there was that one on the trailer where it goes like a worm and inches up and you can ride on its back. The second level, a load of piranha plants come out and start singing while you're going through the level. And I think I let them finish the song without killing any of them, and then you get a wonder seed at the end of it. I don't know if, if you kill them, you don't. I just I just jumped over them and let them carry on singing, and it's like a full-blown orchestral performance from these plants. <laughs> One of the levels, there's a load of shooting stars, which act as the the normal star in Mario and make you inv- invincible. You run through, kill a load of enemies and get to the end. So every wonder flower seems to do something a bit different in the levels, which is really cool because you're always waiting to see what the next one does. But yeah, other than that, it is your standard Mario game pretty much. But there's there's just little things in it that you notice that are so good that you don't even think about when you first play it. So when you go in, the Goombas will just be plodding along like normal. And if you turn into Elephant Mario jump up in the air to jump on them they will look up in the air in like a state of shock as you come down and squash them so they've added these little nuances in of like normally the goombas just walked along didn't they and didn't react to you yeah whereas now if they see you're about to squash them they'll look up in fear as you land on them (laughs) or if you hit them with with the trunk of the elephant they'll do a little animation as they fly away it's just stuff like that and like going in pipes if your elephant you get stuck a little bit and then you have to get sucked in. Whereas if you go in normally, if you go in a sideways pipe, I was playing as Luigi, his cap flies off and then his hand comes out of the pipe and grabs it and pulls it into the pipe with him. And it's just little animation touches like that, that you can tell they've really gone the extra mile with it and, and made it feel different to the other games. And it's no secret, I've not been a massive fan of the 3D World series, but this is... Yeah, I was hooked. I played a couple of hours earlier today, and I was—I just want to play more of it. I was playing it. I was like, oh, I've got to stop playing now and uh, and do something else. And I just—I didn't want to. So yeah, I think it's—it's it's a really fun game, and it looks like it's massive as well. There's a lot of levels to it, and a lot of little bonus levels as well. It's got little trials. So to get a lot of those badges, you have to do like an obstacle course proficient in the thing that you get the badge from. So wall jumping, for example, you have to wall jump around a a training course and then later you get harder versions of these trials and if you do them you get a miracle seed and the the concept of the whole game is you need x miracle seeds to unlock this thing that then becomes a level x miracle seeds to unlock the castle at the end and fight bowser jr and then rinse and repeat for each world but each area of the world has different colored wonder seeds so it's not like you can harvest all the ones in area one and use them elsewhere you've got to do bits of every area each level's got a star rating so it tells you how difficult it's going to be i tried a four star one earlier on and it was incredibly hard i mean we're not talking like mario too hard but yeah they're not easy when they ramp up to the harder difficulties um, which is nice. I think that's needed in a game like this because it's not even necessary. I didn't need to beat that four-star level to get enough seeds to progress, but I wanted to challenge myself and see what it had to offer. So it's nice that they do that. And yeah, I think that's there's not much more I can say on it because I haven't got that far. The only other thing I will say is that boss battles are, are quite good now as well. So the first one I did was... I assume they're all Bowser Jr. And he gets infused with wonder powers when you're fighting him. So he does something different every every boss. So the first the first boss, if you don't want to hear this spoilers, skip ahead five minutes or something. He gets it starts off with the standard him going in his shell, going backwards and forwards, and then when he comes out you jump on his head. First time you do it, he gets infused with wonder powers that he thinks are gonna make him ginormous and you tiny but it actually works the opposite way and he becomes really small and you're huge. So every time you jump, it like shoots him up in the air. And then when you land the second hit on him, it reverses and you're tiny and he's massive. 
and you need to hit him three more times because you're not doing hardly any damage because you're small to then finish the boss off. So they've actually varied the bosses a bit, which Mario games don't tend to do, do they? At least the 2D ones, anyway. No, it does sound um, it does sound like it's very interesting, and the whole badge system sounds like it's um, similar to that from Yoshi, Yoshi's Woolly World, because mm. you had a load of badges in that that well in Yoshi anyway made most of the levels like a complete cakewalk because you got like <laughs> an immunity to fire badge and you were like oh here's fiery dave's lava jungle he's like oh well thank you for telegraphing that fiery dave so i'm just gonna put on this immunity to fire badge and trot through it in a matter of minutes so it, i mean it does look good and it, it does look beautiful as well in terms of how polished everything is and i mean i know it's it should come as no surprise nintendo are the cheerleader of polishing their uh, products until they're uh, practically perfect so yeah it is definitely on my list of things to buy i think it's it's more worth the 60 quid than sonic is in terms of just how much i can see there is to do but even if it wasn't for that length of gameplay it's just more polished as much as I hate as being a Sonic kid, as much as I hate to say this, it's more polished. You can tell they've put more and don't don't get me wrong, they've put a lot of effort in Sonic Superstars. There's there is some really nice stuff in that. There's some there's one level I forgot to mention earlier on where you're in sort of cyberspace and you go through these little transformer things and it turns you into stuff. And you go through one and it turns you into one of those things from Sonic Colours. You know, that look like a little squid. Yeah. A wisp or whatever they're called, and it turns you into one of them, and you fly around a bit of the level as one of them, so there's callbacks like that. Another bit of it, it turns you into a mouse, which is the most infuriating part of the game <laughs> I've ever played, because it's... I can't remember what old-school game it is, but it's based on an old retro game, where you've got four paths going up and little crossbars across them, and you're going up, and enemies are coming down towards you, and you have to go left and up and left and up and right you know, to go on the right path to avoid them all. Yeah. Problem is, if you get touched in that bit, you drop right back down to the bottom with no rings, and then you're completely vulnerable for the next time. And there's only one of four paths where you can get out of the top. So if you don't time your left and rights properly, you just hit a, a like a electric bar at the top, and that kills you, and you drop back down again. So as fun as it was, and as cool as it was for him to put that in, that was such a frustrating bit of the game. But no lives, so it doesn't really matter. Mario does have lives, but similar to most Mario games, I can't imagine you're ever going to be struggling for them. I only finished the first area and I got like 11 lives already. Ah. So it's it's your standard Mario game where lives are 10 a penny and you're probably never going to run out of them, I wouldn't think. But no, it is just a more polished... I mean, the little thing where the Goombas look up at you as you're coming down to, to squash them. As soon as that happened, I was like, yeah, I can tell this has had more put into it. As, as nice as Sonic was, and all the callbacks, and it's got all the, the old villains in it, all the old bad nicks, like the crab meat where it fires fireballs out of its um, pincers, and and the bats, and those buzz bombers, like the bees that fire stuff at you. It's got all those old cool enemies, and some new ones mixed in as well. And it's, yeah, it's good, but then Mario is just, it's gone a step above that, and it's probably, for me, I mean, I loved Odyssey, but it's apples and oranges with this and Odyssey. They're two completely separate games, aren't they? This, for me, is probably the best Mario game since, yeah, Super Mario World, I would say, for this style. Okay. I'd, I'd separate Odyssey, Sunshine, and 64 from saying that because they're different games. I'll leave Galaxy in because it's shit. So I'll, I'll, give, I'll give it Galaxy. But yeah, from sort of Super Mario World, this is probably the most like I've felt like a child when playing it again. And I'm just desperate to keep playing it and playing it more. And I want to play it two player and I want to do all the stuff that there is in there to do. And one more thing I didn't actually mention, there's these like scavenger hunt levels and each character in the game makes different blocks appear. So you'll be walking through a level and a Luigi block will appear if you're Luigi, but if you're not Luigi, you can't see that. You can still hit it if you go and hit it by accident but only Luigi sees those blocks. And then if you Peach, only Peach will see different blocks and only Yoshi will see the ones with the eggs on. And there's one, there's levels where you have to collect five wonder coins in this little sectioned off bit of a stage. And you need to be all those different people, really, because some of them you'll knock the 
the blocks and it'll shoot a wonder flower out and then that'll turn into a coin. Some of them, like the Luigi one and the one I did, you had to ground pound a block and it turned into a vine and then you could climb up the vine and get a coin from the top of it. Now, when I tried that level as Peach, I couldn't ground pound that block, but I could when I was Luigi because I could see it. But I'm wondering if Peach could hit it from below, if she'd have gone under it and hit it, she probably would have been able to make it activate that way. So, yeah, there's there's these, you're meant to play those levels as a four-player or a three-player or a two-player and, and narrow it down. But what you if you're on your own, unfortunately, you have to either... Do what I did, which is just keep jumping around until you hit a block that randomly triggers something. Or you do all the Luigi bits, come out of it, go in as another character and find out all their bits. And then whoever you do last, string them all together and finish the level, which is a bit of a drawn out process. But they're clearly aiming it towards multiplayer. There's the option to turn online mode on as well and just let other people come into your game, which I haven't done because I don't want other people in my game. But you can put these cardboard cutouts of your character. And if you crouch down and press X, you drop one of these cardboard cutouts. And there's something to do with in multiplayer. If you die, you turn into a ghost and you can still carry on. But you're like a boo with like Luigi's face. And you can float along the stage with all the other players. And if they get to one of your cardboard cutouts that you've dropped in a previous run, they can bring you back to life or something like that. I've not fully okay. read into that bit, but it looks like it's like you can drop respawn points. And certain one of them, certain ones of them have almost like a Pokemon evolution. So it'll be Mario crouched, Mario mid-jump, and then Mario with the full fist-up jump. And if you drop three in the level, it progressively increases them. So the first one you drop will be in crouching. The second one will be mid-jump. The third one will be the full jump. And they'll appear throughout the stage. It's it's a bit weird. It's, it's basically a way to get you to spend your excess coins because they cost 10 coins each. And it's like a blind lottery. And there's loads. There's hundreds. It's like a sticker collection. So it's a way to get you to rinse your like unneeded currency, I think. But yeah, it looks it's a little bit of fun. And some of them look pretty cool. So that, there's that as well. So again, massive replay value. If you want to collect every single one of them, you're going to be playing it for a while. Hmm. I mean, yeah, it, like I say, it's Nintendo. I, I have got it on my list of games to buy. It, bit, not all of it has come without um, <laughs> without a mark against its name, though, has it? Why, what's that? Oh, yeah. So <laughs> if you've seen the picture on Instagram that I, that I uh, took of the game, You'll see that I I bought the deluxe version or whatever it was, so it came with a load of, in inverted commas, freebies, which weren't free because you had to pay more for it, but they were cheaper than if you bought all the bits on, on their own. So you get a really nice model of the talking flowers, which I'm prepared to go back, and, and I know I said if you're the kind of person that a talking flower makes a game unmissable for you then there's something wrong with you i quite like the talking flowers they are a pretty cool addition because they do add a lot of dry little comments as you're walking past them and another fun thing i noticed just before we started recording you can change the language that the flowers speak (laughs) so it it defaults (laughs) to the default language of the game but you can change it to german french spanish and i think there's italian so all the rest of the game can still be in English, but the flowers speak a completely different language, so I'm definitely <laughs> going to have to try that. But yeah, I got a little figure of those flowers, which is really well made and it's quite heavy. Some pin badges, some magnets, some fridge magnets, and then a diorama. So <laughs> I was expecting perspex or wood or something along those lines. It's made of cardboard. It's less durable than the box that it came in. So I literally got it out to take that picture and put it back in the box and it's gone away and I don't know what I'm going to do. It'll probably end up crushed somewhere in years to come. But yeah, that was that was what we got. Just to dull back before I reveal what other people got, with Sonic, I pre-ordered it through Game because they had a special plastic diorama that came with it. So I paid about 20 quid more than I could have got it somewhere else to get this special diorama which looked like it was going to be about the size of a switch case it came it's about the size of a business card it doesn't look anything like the picture and when it came i popped it off of the protective plastic coating and half the pattern came with it so i've got half a piece of perspex with no paint on it Uh, to be fair to game after multiple attempts to contact them they did send me a replacement which when it arrived snapped but 
I have been able to piece two bits of the others together to make one fully perfect one. So I do have my um my pre-order bonus now at least. And we might give away the broken one at some point on here because it's not I don't want to keep it. So back to Mario. In America, they didn't get a cardboard diorama that's going to break in a few days. They got a pack of trading cards in each game. Just one. One pack of trading cards per game. So for $50 or whatever it was, you get one pack of trading cards that has about eight cards in it, two foils, and all the rest are standards. And if you get the Elephant Mario one, it's one in a thousand, and they're currently selling for about three grand. But we don't get to play those games, because why would you want to give that to everyone? It must be easier to put cards in a game in America than it is over here. That's the only reason I can think that they've not done it. So, yeah, slightly miffed. Do you reckon that they're going to actually release them as card cards? Because they did something similar when they released the DS, didn't they? Because they started releasing packs of the AR cards, didn't they? Because originally they were just going to come... They were just going to come with the games, and then they were like, "Oh, we could probably make some more money out of this." And then they started selling them in like game stores in packs. So I was, yeah, is is it on the cards? No pun intended. The video that I sold on, I've got a sound for that. <laughs> um, the <laughs> the video that I saw, it didn't look like it was a retail packaging. It looked, it didn't have a barcode or anything on it. Now, whether they do retail ones eventually. They'd sort of be stupid not to, but at the same time, they'd be cannibalising their own market because Pokemon cards are theirs anyway, aren't they? So, well, yeah, I don't know. I'd, I'd, I'd like them to, although I wouldn't at the same time because I don't want another set of cards that I have to buy. And it looks like there's quite a lot in the series because the video I watched, a guy had got, he'd literally bought two copies of the game just to get two packs of cards. And okay. he was he opened the first pack and I didn't see that. That was on the separate video. The second pack he opened, every time he got a card, he's like, Oh, that's a new one, that's a new one. We've not had any duplicates. So it looks like there's quite a set. It's not just like everyone gets practically the same cards and then there's a couple of these elephant ones floating around. I think there's actually a full set of trading cards to collect. Oh, interesting. Because he got a f- a foil star, which looked really cool, and then a foil whatever the hell Bowser is when he transforms into this castle. And then, yeah, you got um, a Luigi, a Nabbit, Peach, I think, and something else. So it looks like there's quite a few cards. They're not the most detailed cards in the world. It's literally just the name and a picture. But it would have been nice to have been involved. Uh, yeah, and I don't know why you'd deliberately halve your market like that. It's just odd. Yeah. Well, cardboard dioramas, they don't come cheap, evidently. Well, apparently they do. <laughs> The annoying thing is, it looks really nice, but I just don't leave it out because I know it's just going to get damaged. It's either going to get bleached by the sun or torn or warped from heat or cold. So and I might even just sell it while, while there might be a market for it because I know I'm never going to display it because I'm just never going to... The only thing I can think to do is hope that I can find like a Perspex case that is the same size as it and slide it into that, but I just don't think they exist because it's an awkward shape as well. So there you go. That's Mario Wonder and Sonic Superstars. If anyone's considering a recommendation, I'd go with Mario now. A, because it's cheaper. <laughs> Literally cheaper now oh, yeah. than Sonic. B, because it won't be cheaper by Christmas. Sonic will 100% be cheaper than Mario by Christmas. And C, you'll get a lot more play out of it, I would have thought, as much as it pains me to say that. Sonic is a great game if it comes in at 25, 30 quid, and that's what I'd be holding on for if I hadn't already bought it. It's just, there's a gulf between them, shall we say, and Mario's definitely come out on top on this one. I'd give I'd give Wonder, like, I've not played it enough to give it a 9, but I'll give it an 8.5 with the proviso that it's probably going to go up to a 9 once I've experienced a bit more of it so that covers that off any other business we've just been talking about other games that are bludgeoning people pikmin one and two for switch coming out soon or it might already be out 40 quid it just weren't they on the e-store for like a fiver a few years ago yeah pikmin one was i know pikmin two had always got that sort of because i think it was one of the last titles ever to come out on the gamecube 
So before the cube ran its life, I think that was probably like the last couple of months. It was up there like, um, oh God, it was Chibi Robo. Oh yeah, Where you were like a little mini robot that could run around like a full 3D house, plugging stuff back in and helping the family save energy sort of thing. It was weird. That again was like gold dust. But yeah, so Pikmin 2 sort of reached that mythical elevated status but i think 40 quid for a game you released nearly 20 years ago it is a lot and i I can't see them having done much to it but then they did the same with mario for the all-stars but that's got a more mainstream audience hasn't it mario yeah it has you can put mario's name on anything and charge full price and people are gonna buy (laughs) it whereas pikmin i don't know i mean and it wasn't even 40 40 quid was reduced apparently it should have been 50 Jesus. Now, whether it, it ever is 50 anywhere, I don't actually know, but that was that was what it was saying. So, yeah, it just it really annoys me now that we're at this period of time. It's the same with films, isn't it? We're at that period of time where they're just remaking every film they can get their hands on, and they're almost never better than the originals. And now we're getting with games. They're not even bothering to remake them. They're just judging them up to steal a quote from you and then sticking a full retail price tag on them. I mean, I kind of get the feeling that the Pikmin one is off the back of because they've just released Pikmin Four. Yeah, is it? That was that was like a month or so ago that Pikmin Four came out, and I mean, <laughs> props to Nintendo because I didn't think it had much marketability. Pikmin, really. I played the first one and I got massively frustrated with it because there was no way to select all Pikmin of a specific colour, and it was like the trenches of the bloody Somme, because you were chucking these (laughs) living creatures at these giant bugs that were just eating them en masse. And yeah, and you just ended up reverting to save scumming. So if it didn't work the way you first played it, you just restarted your save, and then you went back at it again rather than restarting the level, because they were so long-winded. It was like a like Starcraft, where all the resource management had been artificially extended. So you were trying to grow these Pikmin, and they took forever to do. And of course, the levels had like time limits on them. You had to complete the level by the end of the day, like a day-night cycle sort of thing. And then all the scary animals came out at night, so you had to get back into your ship. So yeah, I, I am surprised that it has gone four games worth of legacy to be honest with you because it's just it's not a game i particularly rated i'm the same as you i liked it but it frustrated me and then i just it it became a stressful experience to play it rather than a fun one and then i just went off it i know that the people um paul our artist who does all our avatars he loves pikmin it's one of his favorite games and I think if I was better at it, I might be in the same boat. But like I say, it just it gets to a point where it goes from being this is really easy and fun and whimsical to I don't even know how I'm going to get enough resource to do this next bit. Have I done something wrong? Do I need to go back and figure out where I went wrong and where I lost more resource than I should have? And then it just becomes a stress. And that's when I just same with Lemmings when you get to the later levels in yeah. Lemmings and. And it's the same thing. I just don't want that level of stress in my escapism. I just want to do something that's mildly challenging with potentially a little bit of challenge thrown in here and there, which I can eventually overcome. I don't want to be like getting a pad and pen out and meticulously planning things of how to do it in a game just to get past the bit. So yeah, Pikmin, I played the first two. I got three for free with my Wii U and literally never installed it. I got a download code, didn't use it. And then, yeah, I, I downloaded Tinykin, is it? That one for Xbox, where it's essentially the same game. Yeah. And then didn't play it, and then that went off of Game Pass. So, yeah, not not the biggest Pikmin fans, evidently. Luckily, it's not on the list, although it might be on the Nintendo list. I suspect it will be. Yes. We may have to play it at uh, some point. <laughs> I think it's, Don't make that I think it's over on the side. <laughs> it's in the GameCube collection, so I'll dust off the GameCube and play it on that. I'm not paying 40 quid for it. (laughs) Uh, Anything else? Have we had any Metal Gear updates? Shall I check Amazon? Yeah, um, the only other thing that struck me this week was I was recently in work doing some filming for my job, and I noticed that we, well, the company I was filming in, were selling Assassin's Creed Mirage for 39 quid on PS5. And I am sure this only came out a couple of weeks ago, and it is—it astounds me that Ubisoft are not trying to gouge you for the usual 
70 quid. I haven't heard anything either good or negative about Assassin's Creed Mirage. I mean, usually, if it's an absolute train wreck, you know about it because the people posting everywhere about characters with their skin missing and just (laughs) eyeballs on a stick. But then usually if it's a really good Assassin's Creed game, you can't get people to shut up about it. So I'm not sure whether it's good, whether it's bad, which aspect of Ubisoft made it, because usually it's Montreal, I think, that make it. But yeah, I I don't know what it is, whether it's an Assassin's Creed Rogue affair, where that was sort of dual platform... So it came out on the 360 when the Xbox One had come out. So nobody paid any attention, but was actually supposed to be quite good. Yeah, I'm not sure. It's I'm, I'm not into them massively, so I haven't followed it. But yeah, that does seem particularly cheap for a game of that nature with a name like that slapped on it. Pikmin 1 and 2, 30, 32.95 on Amazon. So oh, fair. that's a little bit more reasonable. Not much, but it's coming down. Metal Gear Solid Update, no, still, still not available. Still don't they still don't know when they're getting it in. Wonder is thirty thirty nine ninety nine on Amazon as well, which I think is the cheapest I've seen it anywhere. So Amazon winning at the minute, unless you want Metal Gear Solid Master Collection Volume One. I'm pretty sure it was supposed to be out yes, it's supposed to be out on the twenty fourth of October, Metal Gear Solid Collection. Tomorrow then. Yeah. As we record tomorrow, yeah. So no, I don't know what's gone on with that. Fifty two quid everywhere else that I can see. Yep. Yep. And that's all I can see as well, just 50 plus quid. So, yeah, I don't get it. Uh, the other game it's showing me on Amazon here as I'm scrolling is Spider-Man, which hasn't gone down as well as I expected it to. I know a lot of people have been waiting for that one, haven't they? And it's had its it's had its had issues. I know the, the image we saw of that can that looks like it's gone back to like PS2 graphics. But also I've seen that the AI isn't working properly, so you'll run into a gang and they'll just stand and look at you as you beat them up and none of them actually attack you. Now, whether that's a one-off or whether that's happening to multiple people, I'm not sure. Yeah, one of the lads I work with called Ant, he's also a listener. He has he bought it last week and played it over the weekend and has finished it and platinumed it. So it's not a particularly long or challenging <laughs> game by the sounds of things. I'll tell you what is a long, challenging game before we leave it for today. Skull Island Rise of Kong. Oh. Not not challenging for the right reasons, but definitely <laughs> challenging to look at for a start. This is baffling. <laughs> this is supposed to be a AAA title. I mean, it's 35 quid at the minute, and it is horrific. I, I mean, if you've not seen videos of this game, go and have a look at it. Skull Island Rise of Kong, Switch, PS4, PS5, Xbox, Series X. Is it backwards compatible? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is Xbox One. I was going to say, it better be, because... It looks like it should be on the 360, never mind the One or the uh, Series X. It is. It looks horrific. It's full of glitches. I mean, everyone thought that Gollum was going to be the worst game of the year. And then this one did the old, here, hold my drink. And it's jumped in, <laughs> yeah. and it's just awful. I mean, I'm morbidly curious about playing it. I think we should get a copy, and that should be our first live stream yeah, to try and play that game because it looks unbelievably bad, like painful to play. I mean, it. I think the most, and this is being uncharitable to the people I'm going to say, but it looks like it's been built out of plasticine. The characters look like they've been built out of plasticine by people with pa- redacted, and it is not. They are awfully sculpted and built and that is a complete disservice to people with redacted but they are i cannot believe that this has got through play testing and quality assurance and stuff like that and someone's just gone oh yeah this is great this is fine this can compete against spider-man i don't know how much of that i'm gonna have to beat (laughs) you're meant to be the normal i'm meant to be the controversial one and you're coming out with stuff like that Uh, Yeah, no, it's not a good game, is it? And I don't think... I mean, it didn't have much to go up against in terms of Kong games because the one that came out early Xbox 360 days based on the Jack Black film was atrocious. But this that was at least playable and it looked good. This is just horrendous. So if you've bought that, my condolences. I'd I'd try and get it sent back as quickly as I could if I were you. 
But I think we're going to have to leave it there because we, we were like, we'll get this one in in 40 minutes and we're over an hour again. So all that's left for me to do is give a shout out to our Patreons. If you want to become one of them, you can go to patreon.com slash bucketlistgamers. Sign up for one of the tiers there. Please, please, please do because we just added $15 to our, our monthly uh, tally of how much it costs to put this together. So we, we need a bit more cash, ideally. But yeah, thank you to all those that are already subscribed, which are, I'm going to read them all out because I'm I'm so grateful for them being involved to keep us going. We've got in the Couple of Coins tier, Lee and Harry Flynn. In the Bucket Kickers tier, we've got the Sweaty Llama and Ric Flair. And in the Avatarnish tier, we've got Atropos. So thank you to you guys. It really is appreciated. You're keeping us running at the minute. And... Hopefully we can carry on doing this because we are really enjoying it and I'm not ready to stop yet. We've got two more books. We can't stop yet. Eddie looks happy at that statement. I think he's ready to stop, if I'm honest. (laughs) Uh, At least we don't have to repeat the same games if they are in the... if they're in all three books. Oh no, we do. Just another full episode on the same game if if they're in the other books. That's how it works. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. <laughs> right, and uh, and we'll leave it there. So yeah, tune in on Halloween because we will be bringing you a spooky, scary episode headed by Silent Hill 2, but also probably about a load of other scary games as well. So look out for that one. And until then, I'll say that's goodbye from me. And that's goodbye from me.